0: It is 20 to 11 here on RNZ National and uh, the future of one of the largest online repositories of information in the world in question. It's the Internet Archive. It's embroiled in a copyright case with some book publishers at the moment. And while the archive has appealed this case, this has thrown up big questions about freedom of information. Ajay Singh Chowdhury is the executive director of the Brooklyn Institute for Social Research in New York. Uh, he's joining... Uh, I spoke to him earlier on this evening to make sense of this. Just a warning, there is some slightly bad language in this interview, but I began by asking Ajay what the Internet Archive is.
1: The Internet Archive is essentially a repository or a library that's online, um, and it has a tremendous uh, range of materials um, that are available to anyone with uh, Internet access. And um, that might sound pretty prosaic and and you know ordinary and well what's the fuss? But when you think about it, um, there's two really key things that happen with a situation like that. One, books and uh, sometimes films, things, uh, all kind, archival materials, old newspapers, things like this, um, become available um, at essentially uh, little to or no cost to huge numbers of people, whether they're like uh, specialized academics or whether just interested people like any, anyone on earth. Um, and the second thing is it's like a library, uh, in that like, uh, we have lots of digital databases, right. But ones that are, you know, private and for-profit, um, often the less in the material that's less popular will get, you know, removed and sort of shelved. Whereas on, in a, in a regular library or a place like internet archive, it's still there, and so uh, if you're someone like me, you know I, it's funny. One of the reasons I was like immediately captured uh, by the the sort of twist and latest twists and turns of this case is because I had been using so much of this material of like really obscure stuff mm. uh, for a book I was writing on on the politics of climate change uh, called The Exhausted of the Earth. And I was, like, trying to find, like, weird old episodes and articles uh, about uh, about episodes in, in, I believe, Namibian history. I was trying to find um, rare, weird editions of Brecht in the original German so I could check some quotes and things like this. And Internet Archive was one of the only places that, uh, uh, that I could go to actually find materials like that. Um, and I, you know, don't, yeah. And that was, and I think that kind of available, having that kind of material available to anyone, any any person, right, mm. um, regardless of whether they're an academic, whether they're rich, whether they're poor, is so important um, as a resource for, for people to learn and think about the world.
0: And you, you talk about the scale of the Internet Archive. I mean, it, it's almost difficult to conceptualize, it's, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: it's hard to list, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: And, and I guess that's the thing that differentiates it from, uh, well, in the eyes of the Internet Archive, this is what differentiates it from um, the other re- repositories of, um, of, of of books and things like that, is that while they may be more private, for-profit enterprises, the Internet Archive sees it, it, it's a non-profit and it sees itself almost as like the daddy the daddy library, right? Like the library of libraries where everything lives, regardless yes. of its popularity or, um, or, or, or the obscureness of the material that's in there.
1: Yes, and and yeah, you know, some of the material I was just talking about is incredibly obscure. Um, I but I even remember using Internet Archive materials, you know, 20 years ago in grad school and stuff mm-hmm. like this. Even when I had access to a world-class academic library, there were still things I could find on in Internet Archive. Again, uh, I'll just think of things like um, older texts in non-English, like, you know, not in English characters, in other languages, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, things like this, you could find there, you know, sometimes in pretty rough condition or whatever, but that you couldn't even find at like an Ivy League university Mm -hmm. in some places, right? And that kind of depth and the uh, utility it provides is just astounding. And, you know, it's funny when I sort of was talking about this with folks, you know, they would be like, oh, but you'd also know it's got this spectacular movie collection. Oh, you also know it's got mm. all these recordings. And it's just like it's almost like you said it really well, like a, a library of libraries or even something like the Library of Congress here in the US, but but not requiring that level of difficult access that mm. something like the Library of Congress requires
0: so you you've mentioned a case and i mentioned a a legal case in the intro as well so can you please explain how has the internet (laughs) archive found itself in a spot of legal bother
1: yeah so there's this is a pretty complicated issue and i should preface you know i'm a social and political theorist Mm -hmm. right um and i run a um a uh education institute uh, and research institute for working adults um so this is also it's very close home for for me because like most of the people i teach aren't people who have access to research libraries mm. they are like regular ass people who need to like look some shit up in a library and the <laughs> archive is right there right um so what happened i mean People have been, uh, large publishing companies, so I pre- all that preface is just to say I'm not a legal scholar, sure. per se. I, I, I know a bit about the law, so I can say a few things. But if people want like a blow-by-blow of the case, they, they maybe need to go elsewhere. Sure. But- the thing I will happily say is yes. Um, there the sort of big publishing conglomerates, and they're only a couple in the world, really. Now, right, There's three or four giant ones. Uh, it's quite funny mm. to be talking about this when you have a book out, because of course yeah. <laughs> the book is out from one of those. But whatever, it's cool. Um, you know, the world is full of contradictions, right? Uh, in any case, um, they have been gunning for Internet Archive for a long time. Uh, why? Um, Internet Archive allows People to borrow um, uh, not just an access, not just these kind of older or rare or weirder materials that I am talking about, which incidentally these companies also don't want you to have access to, and that's very funny, Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever. Um, uh, They also will lend like a regular library. Um, copies of books. Now they do this digitally. This is actually fairly. I don't know what it's like in New Zealand. It's pretty similar in the United States. Yeah, yeah, it's very common, and then in for public libraries in the United States to do some a version of this, right? So. Um, I log into my New York public library and I can borrow a book for X amount of days if some and it is like borrowing an actual book. So theoretically, Mm. if someone else has borrowed that digital copy, um, you know, I have to wait eight weeks till they finish to read it and then I get my copy. But that's yeah, that's fine. Right. That's good. Um, Now, briefly during the pandemic and that was has sort of been standard accepted as that's okay uh personally i would say that a lot more than that should be okay mm-hmm. but whatever that was sort of settled as the sort of happy medium between the interests of libraries and these corporations um now during the pandemic very briefly i think it was only a couple of weeks to be perfectly honest maybe a month um internet archive uh, inter- uh introduced an emergency lending program which sort of took off the cap on how many copies could be lended at once um now, again, I don't think this led to tremendous, uh, like, you know, borrowing and, and, you know, some kind of like, uh, I mean, the case that uh, the argument that is made for, um, uh, that these corporations make uh, theoretically on behalf of authors, uh, yeah, 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 I don't really buy that that hard, um, is that, the you know, it's like, breaking the bank they're not going to be able to publish work you no know, authors are going to get paid yada 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 but what actually happened was basically during a period which was pretty horrifying like the very beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. um they opened the floodgates a bit at, and people were very interested in reading a lot of books and you know looking things up um not just because they had time in their hands but because there is a lot of curiosity out there it's just something I, I deal with in my professional life all the time And the sort of big uh, publishing conglomerates all landed down and were like, ha ha, you guys really screwed up and you are you have gone outside the lines of this previous agreement. And furthermore, this shows that this previous agreement, right, this one at a time, sort of as if it's a library book, right, um, is also bullshit. And that should be banned as well. Mm And that's sort of been going back and forth that though the corporations won the first uh, a couple rounds of this, then it went to appeals. I think it's back on appeals again. Mm. Um, And it's uh, a lot of um, intellectual groups as well as yeah a a lot of academics, a lot of public interest organizations and a lot of activist organizations have been filing um, amicus briefs. Right. Some friends of the court briefs Mm -hmm. on behalf of Internet Archive to sort of be like. The, the, this is such a spurious charge that they sort of can't believe that it has advanced this far, and it is so obviously in the public interest to have something like Internet Archive not be sort of snuffed out of existence.
0: So, so Am I right in saying, the, the way that Internet Archive used to lend out digital books is pretty similar to the way that they would hire out a, a physical book. So a library has to buy a copy of a physical book, and then it only has one copy, right. so only one person can have it at a time. Digitized exactly. books are, are different, right, in that you can you can actually make a a copy of digitized book and you could theoretically pay for one copy of a digital book and then lend out a million but of course that's against the interests of authors and also publishing houses so internet archive struck a tentative sort of truce with publishing houses saying we will purchase x numbers of digital books and that is the maximum that we that the number that we own is the maximum that we will ever lend out at any given time but during the Mm -hmm. pandemic a lot of people couldn't go out and get books. This is the justification um, for the preservation of knowledge. They they loosened those restrictions, so maybe they had ten copies right. of a book, but they might lend out That's right. twenty, thirty, forty. That's right. And the publishing right. companies didn't like that. They say it goes against their interests and also against the interests of of authors. Is that pretty yeah. much the state of play?
1: That that is that is kind of the, the story. Yes, yeah, in a nutshell. And I, I will also say that, um, like I sort of uh, uh, sort of outlined a little bit before. The publishing companies have long been trying to sort of find a chink in the armor of this, even this very strict system that you were just describing very well. Right. Um, This like, well, I buy one copy and I lend it out. So, for example, on Internet Archive, I'm just very familiar with their system, Um, like you can borrow things for as short as an hour. But if I'm borrowing. I'll just use an example that I just mentioned before, right? If I'm borrowing the like collected works of Brecht in German, volume four, mm-hmm. um, for one hour, that means I've got that copy, and someone else who maybe somewhere in the world wants that bizarre, like very kind of rare and weird book, like uh, they'll have to wait till I'm done with my hour. Now, yes, this was waived briefly during the pandemic, uh, and multiple people could borrow that one copy. It's also worth mentioning that, of course, like any human being, basically with a EPUB, which is a standard bu- uh, book file, uh, e- uh, ebook file, can just do this with their computer and yeah. email. Can ju- yeah? So like the idea that this uh, is gonna somehow stop people from sending PDFs and ebooks to each other is. Pretty silly to me. Also, I would. I am fairly radical, so I wouldn't. I don't think that that's actually that bad. I don't actually think that any of this really affects authors. Uh, only maybe a certain very small subset. Um, authors are very poorly supported by these companies, and do, are not the beneficiaries of these deals. Most authors would love their books to be not only in libraries, but to be read as far and wide as humanly possible. Mm. You can kind um, of you... so. Yeah, I was go just
0: going to say you, you can understand the, the perspective of the publishing houses, though, right? like the, the economy of, of publishing houses and the advances that they give yes, to right. authors and the money that they that that. that that they, you know, um, give to authors that they pay authors with for the authors' work. Um, to be fair, um, it, it is a crucial part of the publishing ecosystem. So, so you can kind of understand the point of view that it's more a oh, um, yeah. it's a digital disruption of a a long-standing model that um, the beneficiaries of that model, again, understandably, are wary of of this disruption.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um... It's just hard to, you know, again, per, my personal politics are, are fairly uh, strong in the uh, anti-property rights direction, right, so I'll yeah. just cop that for your audience. Um, but that said, IP law in particular, IP, by intellectual property, um, is particularly galling. Because what you're just describing um, is really fascinating, because to a degree, um, if I have a new book out, right, or someone has a new book out, yeah, they need... They want to be or uh, that uh, author we live in capitalism right so we got to earn some money um and that author uh, you don't even have to use books right we, we talking about music right that musician wants to earn money needs to earn money off of that um of that song or that composition mm-hmm. the author off their book or off their poetry or whatever they have produced right great wonderful now uh if in a again this would be simple it's a simple sort of capitalist solution one could imagine this say 10 years would easily cover that cost these companies do not want that right Mm. here in the us for example um disney had pushed forever to keep uh mickey mouse and stuff out of the 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 public domain uh mickey mouse original just now finally uh showed up with domain we'll see how long that lasts and it's I'm only the kind of period. it's
0: only the og making us too right that's steamboat, right steamboat very Willy. few people yeah. know
1: that good <laughs> geez, that's awesome dude yeah, yeah it's only the steamboat willie version of mickey if you try to do like a, a 1960s version of mickey they'll slap you a lot so fast yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it's a really good example right because like the guys who like drew that shit, um or like authors uh you know who wrote a book you know, 40 years ago, uh, generally, unless it's like I know, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, unless it's like Lord of the Rings or something, mm-hmm. some, something where the estate still earns a huge amount of money from the from the work. I mean, most of that stuff has long since ceased earning money for authors, certainly, and it's pretty tiny, marginal stuff for um, for companies. I I would say that the issue that is at hand here. Is these companies don't want there to be any alternative access to the material that that doesn't run through them. Mm. And truthfully, the, the, the sort of what the Internet Archive saw as like a nice pandemic emergency thing. Um, these guys really saw as an in um, to to uh, attack this model, which is not only the Internet Archive model; it is also the model that is used. Again, I can only speak to the United States here, but is also used by public libraries here in the United States. Mm. Um, such that we'd be facing a situation if this, in fact, goes all their way consistently, and it fails on appeal and all that stuff, where even public libraries will have to significantly shift how they deal with digital materials.
0: Mm at its heart i suppose you know this is it's sort of a a, a case of um technology making access to knowledge so much easier but yes. uh, the gatekeepers of that knowledge who 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 you know, who make a living out of, out of gatekeeping that knowledge, um, wanting to restrict that access. It sort of reminds me a little bit of the case of, um, Aaron Swartz, the, the computer programmer. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He was, for people who don't know, he was downloading, uh, academic journals and articles and making them free, uh, freely available. And, um, I think it was it was univers the universities um really cracked I down I it.
1: It and- was JSTOR yeah. or one of the academic it, publishers. But anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah, and they cracked down on him really, really hard and um Yeah. And, and, really, he and, and he killed himself. Yeah.
1: I mean Aaron Schwartz is maybe the perfect example of this. And uh I say this for so many reasons. A, I just think it's worth remembering that what he did was a very noble thing and uh, paid a high price for it, frankly. Um, And also, uh, the work in particular, what he was doing in particular, is even more sort of clearly and obviously defensible in the public interest than it would be, say, for a recently released fiction book or something like this. Because what he was doing was scraping academic articles, 90% of which are funded with public money. Exactly. um, which pays zero dollars to their mm. authors, zero dollars to their editors, zero dollars to their reviewers. And he was making them publicly available. So it's like your tax dollars paid for a bunch of academic research in any number of fields. And he's like, shouldn't you, the person who paid for this, have access to it? And in fact, I find that to be, a and you know, there's complicated legalities. I get that. But I find that at a sort of philosophical and ethical level to be an almost unimputable argument right Mm -hmm. Uh, there there's no case where it's like oh it's going to go under the like or oh um the author's not going to get their their work remunerated because it's already not remunerated and furthermore in that case you have the kind of situation where um people really should have acts like it's not even just it would be a nice thing it's like Absolutely, a vibrant democratic public should have access to this kind of research, should be able to look up whatever paper they want in biology or in economics or in poetry or in philosophy. It shouldn't matter. They should be able to look this stuff up and read it um, with ease. And yet they are barred from that. As you said, it's a form of gatekeeping. Um, but in these cases, you can really see why the gate the gates are sort of uh, un- both unwise and unfair in very overt ways.
0: It's a fascinating case. It's one that we will certainly keep our eye on uh, as it continues. Uh, Ajay Singh Chowdhury, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.